Traders Point, how are we doing? So good to be with you, everyone at the campuses, everyone watching online. So glad you're spending part of your weekend with us. And I want to encourage you to lean in over the next couple of weeks for a few reasons. One, uh, Aaron, our lead pastor, is going to be back next Sunday to kick off a brand new series called Flow. He's also going to begin his rap career right here on this stage. Huh? <laughs> Cheap laugh. But uh, no, he, thank God he won't be doing that. But it is a really good series, very practical for the end of the year and as we look ahead to 2021. So you don't want to miss that. And also, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be unrolling what we call vision lanes. And what vision lanes are is, is a way for us to communicate where God is at work in our church and where he's leading us into the next year. And what we've done is just kind of broken it up into three big areas, Traders Point campuses, leadership development, and vulnerable children. And each week we're going to hit on a different one of those, and we're going to kick it off today with talking about vulnerable children. And you see, God has a heart for the fatherless. He goes as far as to say, I am a father to the fatherless, and he calls his church to have the same heart. So here uh, at Traders, we actually have something called FAM, which is our foster and adoption ministry. We serve about 75 families through fostering and adoption. Um, we also partner with several organizations, and we even help launch something called Care Portal, which is not just specific to Traders, but it's actually for the whole state. And it's a way for churches and other non-for-profits to meet the needs of vulnerable children here in our city. And this past week, maybe you saw this, but we partnered with Colts, the Colts and Ashley Furniture to get 25 beds back here in our resource center. Yeah, come on, we can celebrate that. So whenever that call comes to keep a kid in their house, we can provide that. Or if a kid needs it, we have it here and we're ready. You know, we also partner with global organizations like Back to Back in Mexico, Missions of Hope in Kenya, all for the same thing. We not only want to meet the physical and tangible needs of vulnerable children, but to bring them the love of Jesus. And we believe that is where God is leading us in 2021. There's going to be more on how you can partner with that at the end of service, so be on the lookout for that. But it's just incredible to see God working. Even in the midst of the craziness and all that's going on, He is at work. And I know for me, life lately is uh, it's a little bit different, um, you know, just with everything else that everyone's doing too. But uh, if, you, if you don't know, me and my family, we actually sold our house a couple months ago and we moved in uh, with my old roommates. And uh, by old roommates, I mean my parents, okay? Uh, it sounds a little bit better when you say it that way, but it's fine, you know. Uh, they're great, we're great. And a couple weeks ago... Uh, we like to slow things down on a Saturday morning, right? Anybody with me? You know, the week is busy. Saturdays, we'd like to slow it down and make a big breakfast. And uh, I don't do a lot in the kitchen, um, be honest with you. I'm not the best. But like all dads out there, I make breakfast, right? I know how to make eggs, French toast, and biscuits and gravy, all right? So a couple weeks ago, I'm making biscuits and gravy, and I got the sausage frying in the pan, it's really a, a plant-based alternative, but it's frying uh, in the pan. And if you know about biscuits and gravy, it's a super simple thing to make. I know I'm the worst. You're, you're already upset with me. Um, but you just you cook the sausage, you put flour down, pour milk in, salt, pepper, you're good to go, right? So I got the sausage going. I'm looking for the flour. 
and I can't find it anywhere in my roommate's kitchen, all right? So I'm looking in the cabinets, in the pantry, and then I finally see it. It's on the top shelf, and it's in a Tupperware container with a blue top. I'm like, finally, got it. I bring it down, and I just start sprinkling my flour on top of uh, the sausage. And then I pour the milk in, and if you know anything, I mean, the flour is what thickens it. It's what gives you that good, thick gravy. No one wants watery gravy, right? But after I put the milk in, I start stirring and I'm stirring. It's not thickening up. And I have my daughter there, Veda. She's four years old and she's watching me. And even she knows this isn't looking right. And I just keep adding more flour into it, thinking, I don't know, maybe it's old flour. Maybe you got to add a little bit more. Maybe it's a different kind of flour. Maybe the plant-based sausage is not uh, coating itself well with this thing. It, it would bum you out to know how much of this white substance that I put in there before I realized or even had the thought, maybe this isn't flour. So I grabbed the container and I start eyeballing it and I'm looking at it and uh, I put my finger in and I taste it. Yep, for sure not flour. That's powdered sugar. And it, no, it matters not how much powdered sugar you put into biscuits and gravy. It is not going to give you a thick gravy. There was a missing ingredient. Didn't matter how much I added of that beautiful powdered sugar, I needed something else. There was no substitute for the flour. And what we're going to be looking at today is this missing ingredient that Jesus is going to talk about. You see, in chapter 6 that we've been studying, which is in the book of Luke, and it's, a, it's an account of the life of Jesus, of his teachings, his miracles, and chapter 6 is just filled with all of these teachings, these wild verses, like love your enemies. He even gives us a new value system to live by. And then he gets to the end of it, and he says, look what he says. He says, I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it was well built. And he gives us all of those teachings and all of those things. But as we move from chapter 6 to chapter 7, Jesus is going to introduce the missing ingredient. I mean, the, all of those things are great. And they're great that they, they will give you a better life and, and you'll have this strong life. But without it, it's not going to give you this well-built life that Jesus wants for us so bad. Without it, that gravy's not going to thicken. Without it, that cement won't mix and you won't get the, the life that can survive the storms. That can survive and not only survive but thrive throughout of it. And I love that the way he picks things up because he gives all of these teachings, things we can do. But then he says, oh, don't forget about this. And that's what we're going to be finding out today is what is that missing ingredient to a well-built life? To be strengthened in spirit, it doesn't exist without what we're going to pick up on today. So Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 1, take a look at this. It says, when Jesus had finished saying all of this to the people, so all those teachings, he returned to Capernaum. And at that time, the highly valued slave of a Roman officer was sick and near death. Now, I just want to pause for a second because there's a word there that most of us read and we can't just read past it without having some thoughts and some feelings behind it. And that word is slave. 
We can't read that without thinking about American slavery and what it is and what it means. And so I just wanna pause and talk about it here within the context of what we are reading in, in Luke. And one big thing is to see that the word slave and servant, they're actually the same word in Hebrew. In our lives, those are very two different things, but for them, they were used interchangeably. And even in the New Testament, and you'll see in the translation I read, they'll actually go back and forth, referencing him as a slave and as a servant from one time to the next. Maybe even your translation just uses servant the whole time. What I do wanna say is the Bible does not advocate slavery. We are reading an historical account of real life Rome. What is, what is going on there? This is descriptive, all right? That's what we're picking up on everyone in this culture. They couldn't have pictured a free world like we live in today. Everyone was subservient to someone else through your family, through your work, through your government, all right? So that's what's going on, just to recap. Jesus steps up on the scene and he hears about this slave that is sick and near death. Look what happens next. It says, when the officer heard about Jesus, he sent some respected Jewish elders to ask him to come and to heal his slave. So they earnestly begged Jesus to help the man. They said, if anyone deserves your help, he does. They said, for he loves the Jewish people and even built a synagogue for us. So what's happening here is these Jewish elders are going to Jesus because their guy, this Roman officer says, hey, can you, can you help me out? So they go to Jesus and they say, hey, we have this guy and he's the best. And what we're gonna hint at here with the Jewish elders is how different it is from the missing ingredient that we're talking about. Because the word that they use to try to come and to talk about God and to talk about how God shows up, the only worldview they have is with the word deserves. Did you catch that? They said, if anyone deserves your help, it's this guy. But the thing is, the Jewish elders, they didn't really believe in Jesus. They were going to, this, they were going to Jesus for this guy. This guy built them the synagogue. This guy is kind to them. This guy helps them. They have faith in this guy. And so they come to Jesus and they say, you gotta help him, he deserves it. And then Jesus starts making his way there. He's like, sure, let's go check things out. And what's fascinating is this Roman officer takes the completely different stance from these Jewish elders and he gets it. He understands the missing ingredient to a well-built life. Take a look at this. It says, so Jesus went with them, but just before they arrived at the house, the officer sent some friends to say, Lord, don't trouble yourself by coming to my home for I'm not worthy. See the difference? I'm not worthy of such honor. I'm not even worthy to come and meet you. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I'm under the authority of my superior officers. I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go and come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. Very different. One saying he deserves it. The other one saying, I, listen, I know I don't deserve it, but it didn't stop him from making the ask. You ever prayed for something knowing you didn't deserve it, just hoping God was gonna show up? Like you sat down at your desk on Friday knowing you did not study for this test, but just started praying like, God, give me the wisdom of my ancestors. Give me the answers to this 
please, Lord. You've been driving with the gas light on for three days, knowing good and well you should have stopped, talking about I'm gonna get up early in the morning, then I'm gonna get gas. Now you're on your way, light is on, just praying, God, I know I don't deserve it, but do not let me be stuck on the side of this interstate. Just get me to work. He didn't deserve it, but it doesn't stop him from making the ask. He says, because I, I believe, he calls him Lord. Jewish elders weren't calling him Lord, but he says, I believe you are who you say you are. I believe that you have authority. I understand authority because I understand my position within the Roman military. So if you just say it from where you are, just say the word and I believe it can be done if you're willing. And Jesus' response is incredible. You will be hard pressed in all of the Bible to find Jesus taken back like, it, like this. Look at this. It says, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to the crowd that was following him, he said, I tell you, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. And when the officer's friends returned to his house, they found the slave completely healed, completely healed. The missing ingredient, what we need for a well-built life it's faith, it's faith. That's what the Roman officer had. That's what allowed him to make such an ask. That's what allowed him to believe in God that the way that he did, he had never met Jesus before. By faith, in this great faith, he puts it out there and it says Jesus was amazed. Other translations, he marveled at this man's faith. But what is faith really? Because I think a lot of times, specifically in our culture, when we talk about faith, it's usually prefaced with a word in front of it. And it's like blind faith, right? You either, you have blind faith uh, or you have reason. You're, you're either logical or you're, or you're faithful. But what I want us to see is that, that those two aren't on opposite ends of the spectrum. That faith is not just something that some people have, that it's actually something we all live with. Faith, you need it on some level just to function, just to get from here to home and work and back. For example, every morning you get on the road, you're on the interstate and you're driving 65, 70, 75, 80. I don't know your life, but you're driving really, really fast. And there's an imaginary line between you and all the other cars that are going. It is by faith that you are put, you're putting faith in other people and you should not be putting faith in those people. There is nothing that they have given you that says you should trust me at these high speeds. You trust me every morning and I drive my car into buildings, but none of you even think about that. You're just like, it's fine. You drink your coffee. So it's not a question of do we have faith because we, we place faith in all kinds of things. I think the question comes down to is, is what are we gonna place our faith in? And a lot of people say, you know, I would love to place my faith in God, but I just, I need more proof because there's no way to know that if there is a God or there's no way to know if that's the God. And I hear that, but it's an absolute statement, but it's really a faith statement. Because you see, it takes just as much faith to believe that there's a God in front of me as it does to believe that there's no God at all. There, there, there's a gap that we have to make a decision on, that we get to choose 
Are we going to believe? Are we going to have faith? And so what I want us to see is like, what does faith in God really mean? If it's, if it's not blind faith, because that's not the faith that, that, that we follow as a, as a church, it's something very different. And it's foundational to all of everything. And I love the way Romans chapter four talks about it because it kicks it back to Abraham way back from beginning when, when God starts developing this, 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 these people, uh, the group of, of Israel. And it's even by faith back then. And, and it shows us what exactly faith is. It's not blind, but take a look at this. Romans chapter four. It says, so the promise is received by faith. It is given as a free gift and we're all certain to receive it. Whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's, for Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened, all of this happened because Abraham believed, he had faith. Who did he have faith in? In the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. It was not a blind faith. He looked up and said, I gotta place my faith in something. I'm gonna go with the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Is there anybody here that's seen God create new things out of nothing? Bring dead things back to life. This is what faith is that we come to God and that we say, God, I believe you are who you said you are. Because he, he summarizes it perfectly in verse 20. He says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced, this is faith, that God is able to do whatever he promises. That, that's what faith is. It's not blind, it's attached to something. It's attached to that God that, that brings dead things to life, creates new things out of nothing. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna trust, I'm gonna be convinced that he's able to do whatever he promises. That's faith. And I love the way that uh, Aaron kind of talked about how we interact with our faith a couple weeks ago. He gave this, this definition, which I thought it was, it was beautiful because it moved past that idea that you can either be faithful or logical, or you can have evidence or you can have faith. It's a combination of both. Look at the way he, he described it. Faith is a bold move into an unknown future based on reliable information. And when I read that, I was like, that, that's so good. And the picture that I got was with God for sure, but it made me think of marriage. Like I can remember getting married and at the time I had known my wife for a little bit more than a year. I had not given her a lifetime worth of reasons to have faith in me. I gave her enough to walk down the aisle. I gave her enough to say I do. It was a bold move into an unknown future based on what would be questionable, reliable information on who I was. And then from there, it was one bold move after another. I didn't have enough faith in her to get through a lifetime, but day by day, little by little, we grew in faith. We became more faithful. Why? 
Our marriage, our relationship, it didn't create anything new in her or me, but it revealed who we were. It allowed us to see who we were truly, who God was calling us to be. And the more that I got to see, the more I fell in love, the more faithful I became. And it didn't happen overnight, but it was day by day and little by little and season by season and baby by baby and miscarriage by miscarriage and long nights and stupid fights and coming to the end of myself and and being exposed for who I am, not to who I want to be, but who I really am in that moment and her meeting me with love and grace and acceptance and our faith in one another has grown over the past 10 years. And I look back now, I'm like, I didn't love you 10 years ago. Not like the way I do now. I don't have faith in you like I did 10 years ago because there was no way I could have known until I said yes. There was no way I could have known until I put my faith in her. And now it's so good because now I know more of who she is, the mother that she is, the wife she is, how strong she is, how kind she is, how loving she is, how graceful she is. And I just get this picture that with our relationship with God, that that's what it's like. That it's one bold move after another, taking reliable information and taking a step at a time, getting closer and closer to him. From the time that we first stepped into that relationship going, God, I'm in love with you. I believe in you, I trust you. And then 10 years would go by and be like, God, I had no idea how big you were. I had no idea how loving you were. I had no idea how kind you were. God, I had no idea how much better you were going to make my life. And to the point that we, we pass away and then we die and we go into eternity and we're in heaven. And then we really get it. This idea of, oh, I had a glimpse of it back then. I thought I knew who you were. I thought I knew your love. I thought I knew your grace. I thought I knew your mercy, but now, that I'm in perfect relationship with you, now that I see you for who you are, oh, my faith, it's not marked by anything. It's abundant, it's it's limitless, my faith for you. That's what it's like to have faith in God. It's not a blind faith. It's based on reasonable information. Our faith is based on who God is. God says, take me at my word. Don't, don't just close your eyes and, and grit it and bear it and say, I'm going to believe even though it's against everything that I think and feel. No, no. God says, faith in me is rooted in who I am. I'm a faithful God. Trust me. Take me at my word. Literally, this book, is, is, it's a thousand pages, story after story, generation after generation, showing God's faithfulness, how he saves people and families and societies, how he does it over and over again. He said, just take me at my word, read, learn who I am. Take me at my story. And then he says, you want faith? Take, t- take me at my son. Take me at my sacrifice that I would make for you that I would empty heaven, I would send my only son to live the perfect life that you couldn't live. And then he would sacrifice all, giving his own life for you. That you can have that when you think about faith, why I'm asking you to trust me, why you can have faith in me, is because I'm willing to do whatever it takes. God says, take me at my spirit. Take me at my spirit, the seal that if you can come to have faith in me, if you believe that I am Lord, I have authority, then I will give you my spirit. 
The same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave, that is going to live within you so that you can know without a shadow of a doubt, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will always be there for you. That we're putting our faith in a God who brings dead things to life. We're putting our, God, our faith in a God who speaks and new things come out of nothing. That this is what faith is. This is what it means to place our faith in God. What it doesn't mean, what it doesn't mean is faith is blind, that we're just numb to things, that we just stumble through life and hope that it gets better. It doesn't mean that we don't work hard. It doesn't mean that we just get a bunch of good things. It doesn't mean that we necessarily get a good life the way that the world says a good life should look. We're not exempt from pain. It does not give us a crystal ball into our future to say, this is what it's going to look like. And this is how I'm going to shield you from it. Faith says, I'm going to take you through it. You know, there's this incredible uh, chapter in the Bible. It's uh, Hebrews chapter 11. And what it is, it's a whole chapter talking about by faith. By faith, Abraham did this. By faith, Noah did this. By faith, they walked through the sea on dry land. It is Amazing. If you want to get fired up this week, read chapter 11 and you'll just see all the ways that God shows up and how faithful he is over and over and over again. But as you get through there, you get to this last chapter. And I don't want to say it's the lost chapter or the forgotten chapter, but it's definitely not read like the first part. But it shows exactly what faith is and, and what it isn't. So, so take a look at this. So it says these incredible things were done in the name of God by people that had faith. They did all of this and people celebrated them and they were seen as successful. But others still had faith, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world. You ever met someone like that? You're like, they are too good for this world, that they have this incredible faith. They're, they're really great people, but they're experiencing hardship and bad things are happening to them. It's like, why is that happening? But it says they were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. It wasn't because of lack of faith. This isn't because they didn't trust God. They were willing to do whatever. It says, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. So we see painfully clear here that our, our faith is not a, a get out of jail free card. It's not this idea that I have faith and now I get to spin move out of all the problems and sickness and pain and hardship. Faith is not that. It does not give us clarity on our circumstance 
or a shortcut through life. Faith gives us the power to say, I don't know what's coming, but I know who's behind me. I know that God is for me, so I'm okay with whatever comes next. There's this, there's this incredible story of these three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they come to this spot where they're following God closely. They're being faithful and still they're about to be thrown into a furnace and set on fire. And they get to this spot where they're standing face to face with their oppressor. And they say like any last words, bow down before us. And they say, listen, we believe, we believe in the God who can uh, bring dead things to life. We believe in the God who creates new things out of nothing. So we're gonna go in this furnace and we believe that he can rescue us. We believe that we can go in there and come back out untouched, but even if, come what may, it doesn't matter because we're not backing down because we know that our God is for us. Nothing can stand against us. That is what faith is. That it doesn't give us clarity on circumstances, it gives us clarity on God, which gives us confidence. Our faith does not tell us that, good, that bad things don't happen to good people. Our faith tells us that the worst thing happened to the best person, that Jesus lived a perfect life and yet still went to a cross. And it wasn't because of lack of faith, he had the most faith. Our faith leads us to this place of knowing God better. And that is what allows us to move. That's what allows us to move in confidence, not closing our eyes or pretending or avoiding. We get to move through it with confidence. And you know, a lot of times faith comes from disruption. Faith comes from tough times. I mean, that's a lot of our experience, right? There's so many of us that our faith came when everything else was moved away. So many people come to faith in a prison cell on a hospital bed after a divorce. What is that? Why is that? It's because we can go through life having faith in other things. And then maybe there's just a little bit of a whisper in the back of our minds like, is this really it? Is this what it's supposed to be? We can go through our lives and we can have those voids in our hearts of like, I don't feel satisfied, but is this as good as it gets? Until our lives are uprooted, until we're disrupted and those things we placed our faith in move. And then we're left, not as God as our first pick, but our only pick. And the wild thing is that God in his grace seems to be okay with that. As long as we're coming back to him, we can come back limping, we can come back hurting, we can come back with empty hands. He's just glad that we're back. If you notice the Roman officer, he doesn't call for Jesus. He believed in him, but he doesn't call for Jesus until when? Until he needed him. And he just needed enough faith to believe. And Jesus said, that's enough. Not only is it enough, it amazed him and he marveled at it. That that's the, the kind of faith that gets created out of these situations. That when, when we get to see who God is for what he is and, and just how fragile everything else is, that's a lot of times where faith is, is brought to, to new life. And is where, you know, faith does come from that through disruption. I would also say that disruption has a way of shaking our faith too, or waking us up to what is it that we really believe. You know, that's two sides of this season that we're in that, 
that I am thankful because I hear this from people all the time of, you know, everything got disrupted and everything got uprooted and now I'm coming to believe in God. I'm getting closer with him. I'm trusting him more. I'm more faithful than I've ever been. And that's amazing. I believe God's using that in this season. But there's also others of us that are saying, man, my faith is shakier than it's ever been before. That I, th I thought I, I trusted God. I thought I had faith, but now work's changed and life's changed and the season's changed and people I know got sick and people I know lost their job. Is God who he said he is? Is what I believe in really real? Why is this happening? Maybe that's where you are. And I just wanna point all of us to this beautiful prayer that's in Mark chapter nine. And just to give you a little bit of a backstory, it's this dad and he's bringing his boy to Jesus and he comes to him and he says, can, can, can you heal my son? And Jesus looks at him, he says, can I? Do you know who I am? I, I, I can heal him. And then he says, anything is possible for those who believe. And this man, you can just feel the honesty in his voice. He says, I believe. Can you help me with my unbelief? I believe I want it so bad. Can you help me with my unbelief? And I'm telling you, that is a prayer that God can help us with every single day, every single season. If we can have the humility to come to God and to be okay with being that vulnerable and being that human to say, God, I know in theory how big you are and how powerful you are and how in control you are, but I'm having a hard time right now. I believe, can you help me with my unbelief? I believe, but can you help me with my unbelief, believing that you're still there at my work, that you're still there in my finances. I believe, but can you help me with my unbelief because my kid is going in a direction I never thought they would. Are you there? I believe you are. Help me with my unbelief. God, I believe that you are there. Can you help me? Can you show me? Can you, can you lead me? And I believe that is where God shows out. That is where faith is strengthened. Not when we get the things that we pray for, but we focus on the God who is over all of it. And we begin to see him for who he truly, truly is. And if you're here today, and maybe this is faith for the first time for you, and you've been sitting for a while saying, I wanna believe, but I just, there's something missing. Can I just say that, that it's a bold move based on reliable information into an unknown future for sure, but what you have, that you can take God at his word. You can take him at his story. You can take him at his son. You can take him at his sacrifice to, to just look up and to say, God, I, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Because when we believe, all of us who believe, we get something called grace which means we get to pray prayers just like this Roman soldier, which says, I know I don't deserve it, but I'm taking this to you on another ground. I'm taking it to you on the, on the grounds of grace, that you could see me and that you could heal me 
right from where you are, that you could restore me right from where you are, that you could bring the dead things back to life, that you don't have to move, that you can just say it and it will happen, just like with the Roman soldier. Right from where you are, right from heaven, just speak and let it be so. If you have that kind of faith, which isn't a lot of faith, it's not the strength of your faith, it's the object of it. That if you can believe that God is who he said he is, that he has authority over of all of heaven, all of earth, and what he wants is a relationship with you, no matter how you get there, limping, crawling, with a little bit of faith, he is ready to meet you and accept you. And if that's you, you can text the word Jesus to 87221. Someone from our team will follow up with you this week to begin that relationship. But for all of us, my prayer for us is that we are a faithful church. So could I ask everyone in the room, everyone watching online, would you stand with us? Stand with us as, as we just take a few moments to reflect, not to close our eyes, not to pretend, but to see God who, for who he truly, truly is. That this is the God that we have placed our faith in. This is the God of the promise. This is the God who brings dead things to life. Is there anyone here who has experienced God move something from death to life? Is there anyone here that there was nothing before, but he spoke and newness was created, created out of it. A new love came, a new drive came, new endurance, endurance came. You were able to move like you could never move before. Is there a faith that has been created within you that looks out and you have an unknown future, but you're willing to say, God, I'm with you and I will be faithful. I don't have all the answers, but I have a good God who cares for me. I have a God who would send his son for me. I have a God who is always on my side. So come what may, I'm not backing down. You can't put me in a corner because to live is Christ, to die is gain. We're gonna win either way. My faith will take me places that nothing else can. My spirit will take me. My God is gonna take me through this not exempt me from it, but he will give me the courage. He will give me the strength because I got a God that's with me. And my God turns graves into gardens. My God turns seas into highways. My God turns shame into glory. Anyone had shame move to glory today? My God is the God who shows up and is faithful and is faithful and is faithful over and over and over again. And we come to him in faith and by grace, we're gonna to pray to him right now that he could restore us, that he could create something new within us, that we would have faith in him, clarity on him, that we would take him at his word. Would you pray with me? God, we believe. God, we believe there is nothing you can't do. We believe that there is nothing beyond you. We believe there's nothing that gets past you. We believe you're in control. We believe you have complete authority. Let us have the kind of faith that when you say come, we come. When you say go, we go. No matter if that means running through a brick wall, no matter that if it's into darkness, we will go knowing you are with us, knowing you will illuminate the way, knowing that as we take a step, 
that seas can become highways and we can walk through it, that you can restore relationships. But God, we have the kind of faith that says, come what may, even if it doesn't work out the way that we thought it would. God, let us be the people that are described by faith, that they were too good for this world, that God, your spirit had worked in us and grew us and changed us and molded us. God, that we would come to know you more and more until we get to be with you in completion and perfection where our faith is no longer needed because we get to see you face to face, Jesus. Be with us, guide us, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.